And so in the light of all this, I will share with you part two, part two of my sermon, which I talked about last week, that we're going to continue to talk about prayer. And I titled today's prayer, The Best Prayer Ever. The Best Prayer Ever. Have you ever had a prayer where you're like, this is it. I've nailed it. It's such an awesome prayer. This is good. The fact is, most people don't have that experience. They never had a very satisfying, awesome prayer where at the end of it, they're like, this is it. This is the best prayer I've ever had in my life. God's going to answer it. I'm going I'm to see the result. And they do see the results of the prayer and they remember it for life. Most of us don't have that. And I suspect it's due to a few reasons. But last week, last week, well, something happened in Singapore that got a lot of us looking up into the air. There's a lot of people in the middle of the day killing their eyes, right? You know, we know like the solar eclipse, we're supposed to look at it from a reflection, but last week that this happened, uh, there was a halo thing that happened in Singapore that got a lot of people just looking up into the skies, taking photos of the camera and killing their lenses. But it was so beautiful, they had to do it. They had to do it. And it's a really rare thing where the clouds are really high enough in the sky that they're not water vapor. They become crystallized, and it has to be at a right angle, right placement. So when the sun ray hit it, it created a whole halo effect. And I really like Gardens by the Bay's photo. That they got a really awesome shot. And you know one thing that I realized from this, this thing that happened last week? It wasn't something that was very uh, profound. You know, It's a simple physics thing that happened most of all, it's a thing that was beautiful. And most people stopped, looked up, and enjoyed it for a little moment. Took their minds off the pandemic, took their minds off the life stresses. I, I love it. It, was, it flooded the, the, the online uh, space. You know, we were not talking about the violence and the disagreement and the politics and the, the vaccine and the death. You know, it took us our minds off the whole thing for a little while. All of us, were just, we just paused and we just look at photos of beauty. And I think that's what I'm going to talk about today. That we need to take time to pause and appreciate the beauty of prayer. And to, to just be reconnected to the God who is still in charge, who is still alive. It's easy in, this, in the midst of this pandemic to forget that God is still there. That God is still among us, that God is still in charge and have not lost control. In fact, for, for Adventists, and as our name suggests, we are people who are heralding the coming of Jesus, and we've been told that these things will happen. As with birth pangs, it's just going to get more and more intense, more and more frequent. Why are we surprised? Because maybe in our minds, as we read the Scripture, we think it's not real. We think it's not going to happen. It's just something that's in there that is not going to happen in my generation. But guess what, guys? We are that generation that's going to go through and experience it firsthand. So I'm going to talk about a few ways why we're not experiencing the best prayer of our lives. You know, one of the reasons I think is a lot of us pray mindlessly. The Bible says this is praying with vain repetition. You know, I've met people who think that because their prayer is long, it's a good prayer. Like honestly, I've been a part of prayer sessions where it's been powerful and we went on for an, a whole hour on our knees and I didn't realize it was one hour. 
I didn't realize it. I had no, you know, it wasn't on my mind at all because the prayer session was so powerful. But there's been prayer session, and, and my, the one that hit me most, that I remember it till today, was we were in the auditorium, it was a worship service, and I knelt, half knelt, because the stair steps were so, so narrow, I was half kneeling on the, on the steps, trying to not prevent myself from falling to my death, and this prayer person leading the prayer, I'm sorry, but the prayer was repeating itself again and again and again. It was the same thing going through. The person was praying the same thing over and over and over and over again for a whole 15 minutes. And every minute of the 15 minutes felt like an hour. I don't know what what the person was thinking, but that repetition and repetition was as though the person thinking that if I pray long enough, if I pray enough, repeat the same thing, enough, God will answer my prayer. I know where the idea comes from. It's from a story in the Bible, but I'm not going to talk about it today. But I don't think that's how prayer works. It's not about begging. It's not about repeating it so many times. Some other faith believe that if you recite certain things for a thousand times, two thousand times, five thousand times, that God will have to answer because you fulfill the requirements. That's a legalistic mindset that Christians do not subscribe to. But yet, some of us, if we dig down deep enough, that's what we think. That's why we're not having the best prayer ever. And that's connected to the second idea that we have. That we think when we're praying, we're begging God. That we have to beg and say, God, please, Look at how sincere I am. Look at how much I am suffering. I've, I've fasted. I didn't eat any food. I'm praying. I'm torturing myself. Have you seen how much I've, I've, I've given up? How much I'm torturing myself? Now you have to answer my prayer, right? I don't think that's how our loving God works. I don't think He, is, he answers prayer because His children are torturing themselves. I don't think that's how God works. I really don't think that our God is this God who, because we've, we've hurt ourselves enough to the point that He's satisfied, because we've tortured ourselves to a point where it's like it feeds His sadistic ego, then He'll answer our prayer. If that's our God, I'm not worshiping Him. Some of the ancient gods, the Greek gods, the Babylonian gods do that. That's why they believe in child sacrifices. That's why they believe in, in offering, cutting up themselves. Elijah had, that, had, had experience of Baal's prophet having to cut themselves in order to beg for their gods to answer their prayer. But I do not believe that's what the Scripture reveals about the Christian God. But yet, but yet many Christians, and many, maybe many of us in Esdek, believe that. God I'm not going to have nice food for three months. I'm praying for this important thing. You're going to answer my prayer. It's not the deprivation of ourselves, of pleasure that God will answer. I will talk about that later on, why we deprive ourselves of certain things. But we're not trying to earn God's favor. That's not how God works. Then there's the, the group of us who believe that we're praying because we're avoiding punishment. Avoiding punishment. We try to come to God and we pray faithfully daily at a certain time of the day because we we are so afraid that if we do not fulfill God's requirement, we'll be punished. Man, I'm having a bad day today. 
probably because I forgot my morning prayer. God is punishing me. God is punishing me for neglecting my prayer life. We come to God as though He's this crazy, disciplined master that just wants to look out, find any faults that we have, and the moment He sees a fault, He, he jumps in and says, Aha! See? See that you're doing that? That's why I don't bless you. That's why I don't have to answer your prayer. If this is the Christian God, I don't want to worship Him, and I will not be a Christian today. And all the more, I will not be a pastor sharing about Him because I would not want anybody to follow such a God. Then I think this idea of prayer covers maybe 80% of us. Prayers are functional. You know, it's not like we're begging God. It's not anything. It's just functional. We pray for God to bless our food just before we eat it. You know, it's, it's, a, it's like a vending machine transactional thing. We, there's no relationship involved. It's just that before I eat, I have to pray and God will bless the food. I just have to do it. It's very functional. We just use God as a tool to bless our lives. God is an additive to make our life better but God is not a God that we have a relational connection with that we want to connect with through prayer. Functional. I don't think that's how prayer works either. So maybe you, 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 you're one of these, any, or you could be more than one. You could be one of two, one of three, all of them. And maybe some of you are none of them. Praise God. Honestly speaking, I go through the, all the scenarios at different points in my life. And, and this, it's easy, even for me, to know, even for a person who knows that, to fall into it. Life circumstance hits me. Pandemic happens. Church physical gatherings canceled. Uh, you're locked down for circuit breaker. Different things happen, and you all of a sudden, without realizing, you fall into one of these traps of looking at God and understanding prayer. It's easy. Then the final one, the final kind of prayer that actually is like the, the total summary of all this prayer is this attitude. I don't know whether you know it's W-I-F-M. Uh, the prayer attitude of what's in it for me. What do I get from this prayer? Ultimately, when we approach prayer, we want an answer, right? We want an answer. And more often than not, we actually have an answer before we pray. We have an answer that we want from God. We, we go to God and say, God, can you rubber stamp the answer I already have in my mind? I know what's the best solution for my, 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 my needs right now. God, God, just rubber stamp it. Come on. What's in it for me is the attitude that we come to God. We just want to take from God. Have you ever prayed and then look at your whole prayer, just sat back and just think through your prayer and realize that your entire prayer was about you, 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 and you? Of course, you say, no, 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 I pray for my son, I pray for my mother, I pray for my relatives. Who's yours? Of course, God asks us to pray for others. That, of course, and those others, we must know them. But then at the end of the day, we want something that we have desired and decided how it should be done. What's in it for me could be the attitude that summarizes most of our prayer experiences. Then the final one, I think there's only uh, 
Sorry, apologies for those who are not from Singapore. Let me uh, explain a little bit. Uh, there's a thing in Singapore called the 4D. All right? This is the, the, the thing that actually results in everybody causing traffic jams all around Singapore very often. Because whenever they see a car broken down, or a car accident, or even an ambulance that passed by, they would like try to get the number plate of the vehicle. Because they believe, if they go to the 4D station, and they buy that four numbers, they'll win a prize. Good luck. Even though it's at the misfortune of somebody else. The 40s phenomenon could be the equivalent of the lottery in your country, but in Singapore, you can actually decide exactly which four digits you want to buy and gamble on, and then you can win the prize. So for some of us, prayer could be like that. You know, prayer is not a, a, a thing that we, we really believe in, but we're like, hey, hey, better safe than sorry, right? I'm just going to pray about it. And if I win, if God answers, yay, I don't lose out. If I don't pray, I won't have a chance. So we approach prayer as though we're gambling. We don't know who God is. We have no relationship with Him, really. But let's just pray to be safe. Let's just pray to be safe. So where are you? Where are you? I invite you to go to the Scripture with me, to go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, part B. I'm not going to read the front. The front belongs to more of the section on the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17b and verse 18, it says, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. This is Paul, walking to the church of Ephesus, and says, when you pray, there's a very key element that you need to pray in. A very, very key thing that must guide your prayer. And it's saying it's praying in the Spirit. And the verse before in 17b was very clear. It says, the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the revelation of who the Spirit is and how the Spirit works, is in the Word of God. Of course, we have the written Word of God, and then there's the living Word of God, which is Jesus Christ, and the spoken Word of God with the power. But what we have access to is definitely something that we neglected, is the Word of God that is in front of us, the Bible. So he says, when you pray, pray as how the Scripture describes you should pray. And continuously, there's example after example of prayer in the Scripture. And today, I would like to introduce a few ways that you can pray with the Scripture that I hope will be helpful to your prayer life. I know it's helpful to me because as I stray from one mindset to another that is not what the Bible describes, I, I force myself to come back to this praying according to the Scripture and it guides me into the right view of prayer and my God. So that the premise of prayer can be summed up in this statement. Jesus calls us to a life of faith, not a life of comfort. To some of us, that's uncomfortable. Pun intended. Right? Jesus calls us to a life of faith, not a life of comfort. If you evaluate, if you evaluate your prayer life and the prayers that you've prayed for, what are they? Are they prayers of faith or are most of them prayers for comfort? Take away the discomfort in my life 
take away the problems. Resolve this challenge. Is that what undergirds all your prayer? Is that you will come back and resume this life of prayer? Even now, as I'm praying for the church, praying for the pandemic, praying off for Esdang, I, I have to constantly remind myself, what am I praying for? Am I praying that the church will resume back to the way it was before the pandemic so that it is comfortable for, for me and for you? Or am I supposed to pray for a, a prayer of faith so that the work of God will explode and go beyond the four walls of 798 Thompson Road? What am I praying for? And I can be honest with you that many times I'm praying for comfort. I say, God, just let us gather physically again. Just let us have worship the way we used to. And then God reminds me, is that the best? Will more people know about Jesus if that is answered? And the honest truth is, I don't know. Maybe what we are having now is more powerful, more efficient, more useful for people to hear about the love of Jesus and come into a relationship with Him. Maybe coming back here will, will force us to, just because we miss each other so much, and I miss all of you at home, that we'll just be so focused on bonding and community and gathering and just having our awesome potluck together again that we forget why we exist as a church. So I'm asking God to teach me how to pray and I need your prayer from me too on really knowing what to pray for and for you to pray for the church as God guides you in faith at home. Let us pray in faith, not in comfort. So let me introduce a few patterns of prayer that you can follow that will guide you that's from the scripture that I hope will help you understand God. First, I'll introduce the Lord's Prayer in terms of the four A's. There are some that I know, there are some that I know, some people that I know, that they recite the Lord's Prayer when they pray. They, they have to say it. Like whether it's in congregational prayer, private prayer, group prayer, prayer in pairs. Whenever they pray, they, they feel like they have to recite from memory, by the way, which is good, praise God, the entire Lord's Prayer, or else they feel like their prayer is incomplete. I have no issues with that, except that if you're reciting the Lord's Prayer mindlessly, if it becomes what Jesus says as vain repetition, that is as though you think that if I've recited the Lord's Prayer in its entirety from memory, and most likely in King James Version, mind you, that's how I memorize the Lord's Prayer. I love the King James Versions of it that you do it, then God will answer your prayer because you recited it. That's not what it's for. But I would like to break it down into four main things that the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus says, when they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. When Jesus prayed the Lord's Prayer, He was trying to teach His disciples four A's. First, which is crucial and critical, our Father in heaven. He's saying, Abba, in, 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 in Greek. He's saying Father, in Greek in our, our Bible, but he was not saying Greek, he was saying in, in, in Hebrew. He's saying our Father, our Father. That's the main premise of prayer, is that God is not a distant, 
divine being who has nothing to do with us and that we're just offering sacrifices to appease and earn his favor and then he'll answer our needs. No, that's not who our God is. Our God is our Father. And just an example, Lucas is at a point where he can kind of speak more. Right? He's talking more. He's learning little words here and there. And I don't know where he learned it from, but one of the things he realized that is like he thinks that if he nags enough, I will answer his request. And so he'll wake up. So I, I sh- once in a while, occasionally, I will, I will show him videos of construction vehicle, which is his favorite thing. And so once he realized that, that he said the word, is, is, he said the word for construction, he'll repeat it. Like for example, truck, right? Truck. And he'll say in Chinese, kan. And then he'll repeat it the moment I get home. I, and he see me now these few weeks. He doesn't say, Papa, which was what he used to say. He sees me, he goes, Kan, truck. I'm like, dude, what am I, man? Am I, I'm like, just your YouTube activator? And then he, I would say, nope, no Kan truck. You must say, Papa. And then he goes, Kan truck, Kan truck, Kan truck, Kan truck. And he'll follow me around the house and I go wash my hand. Kan truck, Kan truck, Kan truck, Kan truck. And then I'll go put my keys down and he'll keep, he'll just nag, 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 nag. He'll keep saying, and then I'll sit down in my chair to rest for a little bit. He'll just like, Kan truck, Kan truck, Kan truck, Kan truck, Kan truck, Kan truck, Kan truck. And I'll be like, what are you doing? I don't know where he learned it from, but he thinks that if he annoys me enough or he, he repeats it enough times, I will have to give it to him. He does win sometimes. <laughs> I do give up. And, and but most kids does it. You know, you go to the supermarket, you go to the shopping center, you see this kid, they're like, chocolate. And you can see, you, can, you know, oh, it's coming, it's coming. Chocolate, chocolate. And then you pull the mom's dress, roll on the floor, scream, chocolate, chocolate. And as though if you scream hard enough, as though as we beg hard enough, as though we repeat it enough, you'll be answered. But you know what? At the end of the day, when I do buy something my son wants for him, or I, I show him the video of the construction vehicle, it's not because he's begged enough or he's nagged enough. The undergirding most important aspect of this whole thing was that he's my son. If a strange kid comes up to me, as I'm walking in a shopping center and start saying, can truck, I'll be like, excuse me, whose kid is this? Can you please bring your kid back? I would not like, dude, just because you said, I'm like, who's this? I don't know you. Like, parents, parents, I'll bring this kid to the information counter. A kid with blue shorts and white shirt. Parents of kid with blue shorts and white please come to the information counter. That's what I'll do because I have no relationship. The fact we come to God in prayer is because God is first and foremost our Father. And that's why we have, the, in a way, the right and the privilege to ask what we want to ask. And that's what the Lord's Prayer starts with. It says, Jesus says, our Father in heaven. Then he goes on to, to adoration. He goes on to, to praise God the Father for His power and ability and, and who He is. You know why that is very important for, for, for us as we pray? Because it's reminding ourselves that our God has the ability to answer our prayer. It builds faith. By repeating and reminding ourselves about who He is and what He can do, it builds our faith. 
it's so easy to forget that our God is God. We feel as though a, a single virus, COVID-19, this pandemic, can stop God. We think that because I, I ask God to, 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 to answer my prayer and He's not answering, that He is prevented by the circumstances of my life. We think that because of our physical human limitation, that this all-powerful, life-creating, life-sustaining, almighty God is restricted. Adoration reminds us that God is powerful. It reminds us that God can do so much more beyond any solutions we can come up with in our mind. I remember in Net 98, when the Adventist church came together to want to do evangelism series online all over the world, oh man, that was a challenging time because churches have to buy satellite dishes, satellite dishes to install and have to, and in Singapore, you're not allowed legally to have satellite dishes. So we have problems with that and uh, they had this to spend thousands and ten thousands of dollars, hundred thousand to to record it, beam it through the satellite, and then you receive the satellite uh, signal. We pay so much for the subscription so that we can use a channel of beaming this information out into space. And then from the space, we rebroadcast out into the entire world so that the entire world can listen to the evangelistic series together. Guess what? As that, we're able to do that now. I think we spent less than $5,000 on this whole thing. Back then, you can't even pay for one day of the, 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 the signal. Yet, ASDAQ is able to replicate almost the exact same thing from the comfort of our church. If you'd gone back in time, if you could time travel, if I'd gone back and I told the, the crew back then that, hey guys, you can do this for $5,000, they'd be like, you crazy. Are you okay? Are you in the right frame of mind? But then because we've seen today what's possible and available for us, I could actually do the whole thing with my phone. Not as good, but same kind of, I can reach the entire world. A few hundred dollars. People are like, you crazy dude, you need to go to the Institute of Mental Health. Because I know what I know today, and I'm going to back to a time when people don't know. God is God. He knows way, way more than we can ever imagine. From the time of Adam, he knew what we could do today in 2020. From the time of Noah, he knew what's going to happen today, this pandemic. From the time of Abraham, he's already known that the people of, that follow him will be all throughout the world and everyone in the world can hear about the message if they so do choose. God is God. Then the third A that I think we have to realize is acceptance. The Lord's Prayer teaches us to accept God's will in our lives. It is difficult for some of us to realize that it is not what we ask for that will be answered, but God's will be fulfilled. That is how the prayers will be answered. We accept the correct position of God in us. See, when Lucas and I, the interaction is, I'm a father, he's the son. He can do whatever he wants, but I decide what he gets because I'm the father. And with my advanced knowledge of life, 
more than him, I try my best to choose the best thing I can choose for him. I don't want him to dictate what he eats. If he decides what he eats, he'll be eating cookies and cakes all day. Although that's nice. But no, 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 no. Tiffany will say, no way, he's eating cookies and cakes all day. Here, have some kailan. That's what he has to eat, man. Come, have some really awesome, life-giving oatmeal with sugarless soy milk. If given a choice, Lucas will like, Bleh. But we know it's good for him, right? Lucas, you can look back at this in 10 years' time and say, what? And he... He's requesting something that he wants, but it's not best for him. But I know, and I'm going to give him what he needs. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with God deciding what's the best thing for you and giving you and you accepting that? Is that okay with you? But that's what prayer is about. Then with all that three understanding of the three A's that's happened, you come to the final A where you ask. You, you realize you're asking your father. And you realize you're asking your father who is God, all-powerful, almighty, who wants the best thing. And you accept that he wants the best thing for you and he'll give you the best thing and most important thing for you. And then the question to ask ourselves is, what is the best thing for me? Well, that's the Lord's Prayer. And then there's another one that we're more used to. For those of you who have joined our 10 days of prayer as we come together, I, we usually do this when we gather, is the X model. X model is more useful, I feel, for small groups and personal prayer. We go through adoration. Again, the adoration has to start off all your prayer because it recognizes who God is. Then it comes to a point where the previous one has, but it's under the ask section. We break it down more in the X model where you go through confession, self-examination of what you are actually, where you are at in your relationship with Him. And then to, to, after confession, you know, after confessing, we always feel very awful and we feel like we're, we're in a rut, we're still worthless, where you go thanking God for what He's already done, despite of who you are. Thanksgiving, despite you being a sinner, God sent His Son to die for you. Despite your inability to fulfill and connect with God correctly in the right attitude, He still answered your previous prayer by His grace. And then when that mindset and attitude is tuned and corrected, aligned, then you, when you ask in supplication for God's providence, you know what to ask for. You know what to ask for. The next one is useful for some of us who are not in a, in a place where you're objective and you're like in a good place. You know, you, you, you're going through some emotions. You're going through some emotions. And what I provided here are just examples. But what I'm going to suggest is if you're going through certain strong emotions and you want to pray, you don't know how to pray, and you're just like struggling, pray through the book of Psalms. What do I mean by that? When I say pray through the book of Psalms, I'm saying that you recite word for word with a, a, a psalm in the Bible that you connect with the emotion. And just pray and, and repeat the words of what the author has written. And I tell you, that's really helpful. 
You go through the stages of being angry, for some of you who are conflicted, who have just sinned, who are overwhelmed. You go through those scriptures along with the authors, inspired by the Holy Spirit. You go through the process of dealing with your emotion. Just pray through word for word, read the psalm word for word, and go through it. I've done it before, and I can tell you it's immensely helpful. One of the things that I learned very later, late on in my life, I think in my 30s, I re- I've learned, you know what I learned? God is okay with me being angry with Him. For the longest time, I've been suppressing the anger I have in my life. I've been pushing it down and, and telling myself that I am not allowed to be angry with God. Even though like, I don't say it out loud, I feel guilty whenever I feel angry with God. Then you read the psalm, and when I learned that you are allowed to be angry with God, and you read the psalm and read David, the person, the apple of God's eye, venting, being angry with God. You look at Job, venting and being angry with God, and God being okay with that. That's cool. I'd rather you be angry and express it. It's not as though God don't know our thoughts. And so he expressed the anger, prayed through the anger, word for word as I read through the psalm. And later on, as I come to the end, Psalm 22, I, I, of verse 2, I like, I'm okay. I realize what God is doing with me. He's helping me through the process. Pray the psalms. And then for those of you who have been praying for a longer period of time, for some of you who, who actually know what I've already shared with you so far, there's one new thing that maybe is not new to you, but some of you it is. That is silent prayer. Pray without words. I don't know, most of us have this mindset that if I pray, I have to say something. And a lot of people, when I ask them to pray, I don't know what to say. I hear that very often. But you reach a level of prayer where you realize prayer is ultimately connection and communication. And there's time where God needs to speak to us, and we just need to shut up, and that's prayer too, where he goes, God, speak. But that's after, of course, you've read the scripture, you have words of God in your hearts where God can bring to mind, and maybe there's more than that. You know that the, the sound you hear, you know, when Abraham had to sacrifice Isaac, he had a dream, but in the dream, he heard God's voice, and that is prayer. He recognized the voice of God because he's been listening. Are we praying when we're babbling and talking and we keep speaking that we have never taken time to hear the voice of God, that when God really wants to answer our prayer, when He really wants to speak to us, we don't recognize it? In Romans 8, 26 to 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You may reach a point in your life where you don't know what to say to God. Then don't say anything and just be in His presence and say, God, speak. I want to hear you. Speak, for your servant is listening. Maybe prayer is less about looking for God, but being aware that He is already here. 